Friday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Ferrarian Smith podcast. Well, Caden, after 11 weeks, it finally happened. We had a student athlete scheduled for the pod midweek. It fell through, so we took a a day off, and I got to admit, that was nice. I got a little extra rest, but now we're going to transition to talk about week 12, and this last week, we saw Coastal Carolina clinch the Sunbelt East while Troy inched closer to locking up the final spot in the West Division. Week 12, we'll see four teams, Georgia Southern, Marshall, Southern Miss, and Louisiana push for bowl eligibility. Marshall and Louisiana both play on the road while Georgia Southern and Southern Miss host big home games. Caden, what are you most looking forward to in week 12? You touched on it. Some of these teams are fighting for some big stakes, trying to get their seniors off on the right note, trying to get those guys in a bowl game. I'm very excited to watch these teams inch closer and try to get themselves into these bowl games and really play hard for those guys on their team and try to set themselves up great. And also, we'll touch on this episode, but I think a lot of these matchups we have, there's a lot of duality. Some teams that are playing against some of their best best strengths, some teams who have strengths and weaknesses that they might be able to exploit. I think some of these matchups are very interesting when you look in the X's and O's and what these teams bring to the table. So that's that's what I'm excited about. Let's talk about this in football, man. Well, seven games, only two weeks remain in the Sunbelt, Caden. What a ride it has been so far this season. You still ready to talk some football? Let's do it. Best conference in the country. James Madison versus Georgia State, the first game that we're going to preview this week. It'll be at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. I was surprised here. This is just the second all-time meeting between these two programs. They last met in 2012 when Georgia State, and I didn't even know this until I was researching for the pod. They were actually in the Colonial Athletic Association for one year in 2012. Uh, JMU's coming off that big win over Old Dominion. Georgia State uh, lost at home to ULM last week. Caden, for me, one of the big things early on is just the quarterback play. This, you know, I'm not even sure it's far out to say this at this point, but this is the best quarterback matchup of the weekend. You've got Todd Santeo and Darren Granger, who's as hot as any quarterback in the country right now. Granger responsible for 399 yards last week. Um, He was elusive. And then meanwhile, Santeo, is he back to that elusive 100%? Last week, his coach said that he was 80% healthy. We'll see if he gets to 100% this week, but he threw for 304 and still won Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Week honors at 80% healthy. So I think this is going to be a really good quarterback matchup. Yeah, another great quarterback matchup. And I love that anytime Darren Granger now is playing another great quarterback in this league, it's a great quarterback matchup because going to the season, we had our doubts. That team was starting off 0-4 and and we had some questions for him and he proved us wrong. I'm I'm an athlete. I'm now in the media space. I understand being taken for granted, being proven wrong and shutting some of those doubters up. And Darren Granger definitely did that. You have to respect his play, especially in the back half of the season, what he's been doing with his arm and his legs. Now the leading rusher of this team, which is a crazy thing to say, knowing how much they run the ball. Excited to watch him get after it in this matchup. And you talked about Todd and his health, a huge factor in this one. 80% of himself last week was still very efficient. Hopefully we see more closer to that 100%. But he's even shown as an 80% player, he's still still super effective. I'm hoping this is, I'm calling this the Todd-assance. I think we're going to see more on the back half of the season. Some of that Todd we saw in the beginning of the season that had a lot of that hype with that JMU team. So hopefully he's feeling better in this game when we can see another great quarterback matchup. Gosh, I hope that happens because it would be a lot of fun to see him playing at top strength against Coastal Carolina on national television next weekend. Um, You know, I think in this game, really one of the big things I'm looking out for is can JMU, you know, how's their rushing attack going to hand up? This is one of the first things, Caden, you mentioned some of that duality in these matchups. JMU comes in leading the league 79 yards per game allowed on defense. Meanwhile, they're going to face a Georgia State team that leads the league in rushing at 242 yards. Something is going to break in this game, and I'm here for it to see which way it breaks. 
Yeah, this Georgia State running game is very consistent. And I think one of the only things in this conference that's just as consistent is that JMU rushing defense. So definitely excited to watch that happen. Jamias Williams goes down in the backfield for Georgia State. But Marcus Carroll steps up to the occasion, has back-to-back 100 yards days. I think he's going to be a key in this matchup just because he has so many less touches. He's probably one of the fresher running backs in the conference now who's starting to get some higher volume. And I think we've seen Tucker Gregg kind of take that role now as that short yardage bruiser versus that every down back that they had before. But I think Jemias was questionable. He was a game time decision in the last game. But if he can, if he can play in this one too, I think that'd be superb for this team going up against JMU, rushing a defense that if you can throw as many different running backs as you can at them, I think that'll be better for them. So if they get Jemias back, I think that would be a huge plus. But even with Carroll playing the way he's playing right now and Tucker Gregg, very excited to watch him go against this rushing defense that's holding people under 100 yards still. And it's, it's a crazy number. It's a crazy stat. And something's going to have to give in that department in this game for sure. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Tucker Gregg has at least 150-yard performance left in his body. He's got two games left unless Georgia State can pull a rabbit out of their hat and win down the stretch and get bowl eligible. So I think Tucker Gregg's still got one good one left in him. We'll see if it happens this weekend. Um, GSU, Georgia State needs to have another good day defensively. They did that last week against ULM. It was really their offense that let them down a couple times with some costly interceptions. Uh, but they held ULM to 3-12 on third down last week. The Warhawks had just 300 yards of offense, and they were held under 100 yards rushing. It's going to be a tall order, but I really think Georgia State needs to have a good day defensively against this high-power James Madison offense. Yeah, and I think one of their keys that their coaches are probably harping to them at defensive staff over there in Atlanta is just stopping the big plays. That's what got the best of them last week. They played a masterclass game and they've played a couple good defensive games, but any of those games you see where you see the points start to go up and you start to see it get a little bit lopsided for Georgia State is when they give up those explosive plays. That that game against ULM, they had one. They, they held them to a very normal rushing day, a pedestrian passing day, but those big plays is, is what ended up getting the best of them. And I'm very curious to see them playing one of the big play offenses that we've seen in the past with JMU and the explosive weapons that they have in the backfield out wide. And of course with Todd, so it's a tall order for them, but I think the more they can limit those explosive plays, the better off they'll be as a defense, maybe even more importantly than how they do in the yards battle, how they do in the turnover battle, all those things that they can just limit JMU and make them not the JMU that's running down the field, 60-yard bombs, 50-yard bombs, explosive run plays, I think they'll be a lot better off in this matchup. Here's another thing I'm looking out for. Chris Thornton has not had a touchdown since he came on the pod earlier this year, and I want Chris Thornton to get a touchdown here. JMU comes in with the fourth-best passing offense in the league, but they're facing a Georgia State team, Caden, that's held three of their last four opponents under 225 yards. Again, we're just seeing so many of these little matchups inside this game, and I think this is one of the most unique games of the weekend. Yeah, and Chris Thornton, we're obviously hoping he can get into the end zone again so there's not a curse put on this podcast and we can maybe get some other Dukes on here eventually. But he did have a good day last week, six catches, 140 yards. He was still very explosive in the passing game, just couldn't find it. And I think on the other side about it, when you talk about matchups, an explosive day for Jamari Thrash for Georgia State as well last week, having nine catches, 164 yards. He didn't reach the t- end zone either, but both of those receivers, I think, going up against these secondaries will be a big matchup because they've shown they could have days where Maybe they don't have as many catches that you'd like to see or as many yards, but at their peak, these are some high-volume guys in the Sunbelt that can get after it and catch the ball and make explosive plays better than a lot of guys. So I'm excited to watch those two guys against both of these secondaries that have both proven they can shut some people down every now and then. Yeah, those are two wide receivers in in Thrash and Thornton that have proved that they should be in the conversation for wide receiver one in this league all year long. 
Caden, I'll leave you with this on this matchup. Georgia State, they've only allowed two passing touchdowns in the last three weeks. They're going up against one of the best gunslingers in the league. So, again, something is going to break in this one, and I'm here for it. I will definitely be tuned into this game at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. We'll move on. Southern Miss versus South Alabama. Caden, I'm starting to wonder if South Alabama's on upset watch here at in Hattiesburg, but this game will be at 3.30 on NFL Network. Uh, it's actually just the second meeting between South Alabama and, and Southern Miss. South Alabama won last year 31-7 in Mobile. Southern Miss has a chance to become bowl eligible, and I make that claim about this being an upset watch because at this point, Southern Miss has more to play for than South Alabama. Like Even if South Alabama wins their last two games, and Troy takes care of business, they're not playing for a championship. So I think Southern has more to play for in this game. But let's talk about South Alabama's quarterback play. Carter Bradley has been a bit up and down lately, but Caden, he's coming off of a return-to-form type game last week where he threw for 274 and four scores. He needs to build on that performance. He does. Just just like I talked about, there was a Tata Sans. There was a little Carter Sans, I think, brewing as well. I think both of these guys played a lot of their best ball in the beginning of the season and had a lot of hype, had a little bit of a lull in the middle. I think Todd's was more because of an injury and Carter's was more of them leaning on the run game. But I think when you look at you look at what he did last week, it's great to see him getting those receivers back involved. They were obviously leaning on LaDamian quite a bit in the past couple of games. But I think you mentioned it. They're playing for different stakes right now. This is a team that had conference championship aspirations. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how they approach this game. But I think they still kind of have that conference championship and they're playing championship type of football when you watch them play. I think one of the great things to watch is how their offense, even if Carter's up or down, they can lean on the run game and vice versa. So I think they're still playing winning football. The defense is still playing well. They might not as mu- have as much to play for, but you could argue that as a whole team, really, still in this conference, South Alabama, if they're not playing in the conference championship, I don't think it takes away from the fact that peak of their powers, if they can get LaDamian Webb going, Carter Bradley going, this offense and this defense going, this could be one of the more dangerous teams in the conference. Okay, this next statement I'm about to make, I've made with probably three different quarterbacks this year for Southern Miss, but Trey Lowe is looking like the guy. He threw for 295 in a score last week, connected with five different wide receivers. He, though, is going up against a South Alabama passing defense that gives up 210 yards per game. They've held opponents to under 200 yards in their last five games. But I really like what I've seen out of Trey Lowe. Like I said, I've said that about Zach Wilkie. I've said that about Frank Gore Jr. as the superback. So maybe I just can't judge quarterbacks because and and maybe Southern Miss can't judge quarterbacks either because they've had four different quarterbacks this year. Yeah, and, and that South Alabama defense, another thing is they're holding teams to right around 20 points, and we've seen the Southern Miss offense kind of struggle and have to really rip and claw to get to 20 points every week. So I think we saw Trello have a great week last week, but the question mark is going to be very similar how we were talking to Cam Fancher. Can you get the ball in the end zone for this team? I think he unlocked some of those receivers. We saw some great days out of those guys out wide. I think the next step for him is going to be, can he get the ball in the end zone? Because that would be a huge plus for this team. Even when you see in the past when they've had struggling days, Frank Gore Jr. might get in the end zone one time. But it hasn't really been the quarterback of this team that's been the one being the driving force as far as getting them in the red zone and then getting them in the end zone. So I think Trey Lowe is going to be facing a defense that he hasn't seen before that's going to be one of the more menacing ones that he could face possibly in this conference. But if he can get the ball in the end zone a couple of times, put a couple of drives together, I think he can make this one interesting. Hey, I love this comment. I don't know if you saw this from Will Hall, but he was asked whether uh, he was kicking himself for not starting Trey Lowe sooner. His exact words were, everything I do, I go through a process. I pray about it. I think about it. You can live life second-guessing anything, but everything I do in a process, 
All I came away from that is maybe I need to pray more because at the end of the day, I haven't been able to pick the right Southern Miss quarterback either. But uh, South Alabama and LaDamian Webb, he has had these two huge weeks. And then last week he flops just 45 yards. Here's the problem I have right now with South Alabama. You either see a really good passing game or a really good running game. I think that allows them to win most games, but I would love to see them try to figure out what that process looks like, what that middle ground is between the running game and the passing game. Yeah, and we saw a lot of that more in the beginning of the season, and I think once the ebbs and flows of the season go on, you kind of have some of those struggles where it's hard to get continuity in every single unit on the offense clicking on all cylinders. We've seen a lot of teams in the conference struggle, whether it's them not having a run game or them not having a pass game. But you see it as a problem, and I kind of give the props to the coaching staff for the adaptability of them. I think it takes a lot of guts to be down to Georgia Southern, a team who's thrown the ball left and right to you and say, okay, the pass game isn't working here. Let's give it to LaDamian. And he cooked that game. He was the offensive player of the week. He got to the end zone a bunch of times. So it's looking like they can lean on whatever they need to as far as feeling the pulse of what the offense has going on. But it would be nice to see it all culminate because like I said before, if this offense can get LaDamian Webb over 100 yards, Carter Bradley over 250 and some touchdowns, I think that's going to be the most dangerous unit we can see in the conference. But it's hard to see it all come together week after week for them. Well, I hope Kevin Barbet was listening at App State because I think he might need to take some of that. We'll get into that game uh, a little bit later on. But uh, the nasty bunch at South Alabama, or I'm sorry, Southern Miss, they've recorded 11 TFLs uh, for the third time this year, along with two sacks last week, also picked off two passes against Coastal Carolina. They're going to need to have a good game if Southern Miss could pull off the upset. Yeah, I think the nasty bunch, when you look at them, they were playing a little bit better during the season, and they're still playing great defense, but I think complementary to the rest of the team, they were playing the kind of defense in the middle of the season where it didn't really matter what the offense was doing. They were going to get you that win, and I think now we're seeing some fatigue from them, especially up front. They had two straight weeks where they kind of got exposed in the running game, especially against Georgia State and especially against um, Coastal Carolina last week against a team that you kind of knew they were going to run. They didn't have their star quarterback, and it was kind of predictable that they were going to run. So I'm looking for them in this one to have a good matchup against LaDamian Webb. I think if they can show up and stop them up front, and then you talked about it, they get in the backfield a lot. I think anytime in games where you've seen Carter Bradley struggle, it's because of pressure. Think back to the Louisiana game. Think back to even the Troy game where they lost. This team still leads the Sun Belt in sacks. They have 33. So they, if they can get back there, they can make Carter Bradley a little bit uncomfortable and have him revert to some of those struggles we saw early in the season. And then combine that and double that down with being able to slow down LaDamian Webb, I think it'll be huge for them. South Alabama needs to stop the run game in this one, something they've been good at. Southern Miss, not an elite rushing team by any means, but neither was Texas State last week, and South Alabama held Texas State to negative three yards in the first half. I'd like to see another performance out of South Alabama's defense just like that. Meanwhile, FGJ, Frank Gore Jr., friend of the pod, averaged 90 yards in his last four games before rushing for just 46 last week. I think he needs to have a big performance in this one. But South Alabama, that rushing defense has looked very good over the last couple of weeks. They have their stout. I mean, up front, they're stout. On the back end, they're stout. And I think it is going to be a big key for them to stop the run because we know that this is a new quarterback going to this one. It's kind of a question mark. But as far as up front goes, it's been a little bit of a question mark, too. And I think Frank Gore has kept a lot of those numbers up from just some freak plays, some long runs. And I think if he can get more help from his offensive line in this one, we'll see more consistency out of him snap after snap. But I think that's a tall order the way that the South Alabama defense has been playing up front. Well, we'll make our picks. We'll see if either one of us goes for an upset uh, later on in this episode. So make sure you stick around. But Georgia Southern versus Marshall, our next game that we'll preview. It'll be at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. 
uh, in this one. Both teams, Caden, one of these teams is walking away bowl eligible unless we see a tie, but I don't even think that's possible. Uh, Marshall holds a four and two all-time advantage, but the last meeting took place uh, just a couple years after you and I were born in 1996. Uh, Marshall two and one all-time in Statesboro, and much like we started this episode talking about the quarterback matchup at the James Madison Georgia State game, I think this one has a chance to be a good quarterback battle between Cam Fancher and Kyle Van Trees. Van Trees rebounded from two suboptimal games, uh, and by suboptimal, I mean 250-yard passing games. Those are suboptimal for Kyle Van Trees with 325 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, he has thrown a touchdown in every game this season. Meanwhile, Cam Fancher stepped into that starting role a couple weeks ago. He's looking more and more comfortable in this offense. Last week, threw for 262 yards and two touchdowns against that App State team. Yeah, it's funny. We talked about it and we kind of prophesized Cam Fancher has to get the ball in the end zone. And he did just that last week. I think it's a great thing to see. And I think if you're an, a Marshall fan, if you're in those circles, you might be wondering if this guy's been starting a quarterback for us all season, what does this year look like? Because in a couple games, as soon as he started, he did some good things. He turned the ball, but we've seen him slowly but surely clean some of that stuff up. And on the other side of the ball, I think Van Trees did great numbers last week, but it's no secret that the Louisiana defense gave him problems in that weekday game. I think their offense just looked a little bit off. The O-line wasn't protecting as well. We saw the receiver throw a touchdown and, and not him. They were just doing some funky stuff and not throwing the ball down the field as much as you like to see. But this is a Marshall defense that's proven that they can do a lot of similar things that Louisiana did against them. So they have some more time to prep for this. This one, I think that Southern might try to just open up a little bit more. They're trying to make a bowl game. They're already aggressive and they played the least aggressive they have last week. And it suffered on their defense. It suffered on the run game. They have a lot to bounce back from. And Marshall has a lot of momentum right now, leaning on their defense and some good quarterback play. Okay. And I want to give you a word of compliment because the maturation process that you've undertaken, being able to say something like it was good to see Fancher throw for two touchdowns against App State. Like you have fully transitioned into media, Caden, and that's been a growth <laughs> process throughout the year. But, you know, back to this game, um, you know, I, I really feel like Georgia Southern needs to reestablish the running game. And I'm going to say that again for Marshall in a moment. But Jalen White uh, runs for just 28 yards on seven carries last week against Louisiana. Uh, this was only his third game this year without a touchdown. Georgia Southern, meanwhile, when they were hot, Caden, at the beginning of the year, they were running for 100 yards with ease, and Kyle Vantries was throwing for 350 to 400 yards. Right now, it's Kyle Vantries throws for a lot of yards, and they haven't been able to get that running game going. They have rushed for under 100 yards in three of their last four games. They're going up against a good Marshall rush defense, but how can they get some semblance of a running game going in this game? Well, we saw their worst, like jaw-droppingly bad offensive performance that we're not accustomed to seeing from Georgia Southern's offense because last week they just weren't a version of themselves and they weren't pushing the ball down the field. If you're not pushing the ball down the field, that's what's set up their run game all year. When you're Louisiana and you're clamping on the back end, Kyle Van Trees isn't killing you with deep balls. He's not killing you across the middle. Then stopping the run is easy. I think this is a team that very much runs the ball predicated off of how well they throw the ball. And I think it just bit them last week because <laughs> Louisiana was stopping every aspect of them. So I think for them to be more effective in this one, they're going to have to take the ball deep. They're going to have to make the secondary and the linebackers have that threat that we've seen all year of being worried about Kyle Van Tree spreading the ball out. They threw a lot of balls and screens behind the line of scrimmage. This is a very similar defense in Marshall that's going to run upfield. They're going to tackle well and they're going to get that stuff on the ground. But if, if you can threaten them deep, make them play a little bit deeper to shorter, then you can see that run game open up for them better, I think. Caden, I feel almost silly saying this next, but the Herd need to restart the run game. They run for just 121 yards, which was their third lowest total against App State last weekend. 
It was, though, the second time in their last three games going under 125 yards. They've been playing some better rushing defenses, but at the end of the day, this is a team that's averaging close to 200 yards per game. I think this is a prime opportunity. I had to imagine that Kalen Laborn has had this game circled on his calendar for weeks because this has Kalen Laborn written all over it. No, Kalen Laborn is probably sleeping very good this week, having dreams about running all over this defense. I mean, this is the worst rushing defense as far as this conference goes that we've seen. They're giving up 224 yards a game. He averaged just 125 alone. He was probably already looking forward to this one, but then coming off of that App State performance when he only had 50 yards, he might be running to get some of those yards back in this one and have something to prove. I mean, you look at this defense last week against Louisiana and props to them because they have turned their running game around quite a bit from the start of the season, but they made this Louisiana running back room look like Alabama in 2014. So if you're Marshall right now, you have to be feeling good about this one, knowing that a team that doesn't even run the ball quite as well as you really expose the Georgia Southern defense that you're now going to go up against and be able to expose it and lean into those strengths. So I'm looking for Kalen Laborn to definitely have a huge game in this one. Last thing in this matchup, Caden, and again, it's one of these where you see stark contrast from both teams. This is a Marshall secondary. It comes in leading the league with 14 interceptions, and they're going to be facing a quarterback in Kyle Van Treese, who also leads the league in interceptions. I have to imagine the Marshall secondary has been sleeping well all week. If you were a DB going into this game, what would be your thoughts? Well, that's interesting. I think psychologically, as a defensive player in general, when you're playing a team that's no, notorious for putting up points week in and week out, you have all this film of Kyle Van Trees airing it out, hitting his receivers left and white, scoring everybody. It's tough. It's a tough watch in film. And then you go to last week and they weren't doing that. And it's like, oh, okay, hold on. Like We're already playing well. And then now we're seeing a team that can do things that we can do this week. I think Marshall has the same personnel as Louisiana on the back end and up front to be able to do very similar things to this team. So I'm sure they're feeling just like Kalen Laybourne. They finally saw Southern or um, Georgia Southern stub their toe one time, and they're like, oh, okay, now, now they're going to smell blood in the water, at least psychologically, at least in film before the game, and they're definitely going to be trying their best to get their hands on the ball. I think the turnover battle is going to be huge in this one. Caden, tell me this. As an athlete, did you ever, knowing who you were going to be playing, did you ever pull up their website and look at their stats recently to kind of understand, or were, did you just wait for, like, you know, Sunday morning film session? Oh, no, we're going to have to see that. Like, we're going to have to see that every time. The best story I can give for this one is we were playing um, North Texas in a bowl game. I have a receiver by the name of Jalen Darden, who now plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I checked his stats before the game, and I thought that, I was looking at the wrong thing because they look like quarterback stats. And he was playing wide receiver. He was having 100-yard, 200-yard receiving days. He was having three touchdown days. I was like, okay, this guy's going to be a problem. Thankfully, in that game for us, he actually sat out to get ready for the NFL draft, and we didn't have to play him. But that was definitely something that most people look at. They're going to find out, as far as their specific position as well, who's the top guy on the other side of the ball that I'm going to be lined up across from. And it doesn't matter what time of the year it is, what if it's bowl season, beginning of the year, you're going to have your eye on what the dogs are on that side, what they look like. And I think in this game, they've definitely, these two teams, especially in our conference have been eyeing each other and seeing how they match up. And I'm sure they're both excited to get into this one. Well, we've still got four games left to go through. We're about 23 minutes into this podcast, Caden. So we'll go through these next ones fairly quickly. Uh, App State hosts Old Dominion at 2.30 on ESPN+. Plus. App State hosting Old Dominion for the first time since 2016. The Mountaineers need to win their final two games to become bowl eligible unless something funky happens. They've not missed a bowl since joining the FBS in 2014. Caden, we've been talking about this for weeks now. App State needs to establish the run game again, but they need to find that happy medium between passing and the run game. 
ODU has allowed 188 yards in their last four games, over 188 yards, uh, including a season-worst 298 two weeks ago to Marshall. App State comes in just 194 yards on the ground in their last two games combined. What do they need to do early on in this game to establish the run against this Old Dominion team? I think for me personally, watching this App State team play, I think they have to first and foremost find out if they can establish their run. I think it's so week in and week out for them. There's weeks where they run the ball well. There's weeks where they don't. I think they're going to have to find the flavor of the week, similar like you were calling out them in the South Alabama matchup. If If one thing's not working for you, you have to lean into your other talent. So I think if early in this game, the run game isn't going, you have to let Chase cook. You have to let him drop back there, give him as much time as possible, and try to pick this defense apart, whether that's short game, intermediate game, and deep. And I think that'll maybe be more useful for them as far as passing the ball to set up the run. I mean, going into this game, if you would have told me in week two or three that, hey, when Old Dominion apps, they play, Blake Watson is going to be the leading rusher in this game. He's going to come into this game with more yards than any App State running back. I would tell you you're crazy. This dude has 700 yards on the season. Camp Peoples only has 500. That says enough about what App State's running game has been looking like. So I think if it's not going for them in this one, they're going to have to switch some things up and hopefully get some different creativity going that we saw from them early in the season. I believe the number was at 10, Caden, for consecutive years that App State's had a running back over 1,000 yards. It's really far up there, but that might not come to fruition uh, this year. Caden, another big thing for App State, and that's been kind of their inability to protect Chase Bryce recently. They've allowed four sacks, 14 TFLs in the last two games. Uh, When you go back and look at the four previous games, they had given up just four sacks and 10 TFLs combined in those games. What's led to some of those protection issues and that additional pressure in the backfield? I think it's a combination of different things. I think when you look at, depending on the matchup, depending on the team they're playing, I think the other team's up front group, their front seven, has been able to expose and really heighten their own strengths. You look at a team like Coastal Carolina, they just owned the A-gaps all game with their size. They dominated there. And you look at a a team like Marshall, they were just sound all around, and they were just winning their individual matchup. So I think when you look at it, teams have just been been able to lean to their strengths and kind of show some weaknesses in that App State front. I'm hoping that in this game they can obviously protect Chase better, but maybe if that's not working, get some tight ends in there to extra protect, get some running backs into pass protection, and maybe use some of Chase's slept-on mobility and get him outside of the pocket and throwing on the run. I'll mention a stat about ODU's offense in a few moments, but it's been anemic. It's been inept lately. Uh, and I think the biggest question for me is who's going to step up? Ollie Jennings, Zach Koontz, both out for the rest of the season. Uh, they need skilled players like Javon Harvey, Blake Watson to play bigger roles if they have any chance of beating App State in this game. Yeah, it's two tough losses for this team. I think even if you looked at in the beginning of the season when they were at the peak of their powers and had everybody on their team, they still had offensive trouble. When you take two weapons away like Koontz and Jennings, it's just a tough ask for this team. Blake Watson has shown that he could be an explosive guy. Sometimes it's going to be a lot for him to ask in this game if it's a very predictable running game for them. And I think when you look out wide, they're kind of slim on options as well. And I think that We saw an effective game out of Harvey in the slot against Georgia State, but in that slot receiver position, I think it's kind of easier to roll coverage with safeties and corners and having guys in the mix being able to defend you underneath and over the top. So someone's going to have to step up for sure on this Old Dominion offense that's just looked very, very stagnant the last couple weeks. Hey, Coastal Carolina's calling. They would like a mulligan, a redo of their game against Old Dominion from earlier this year. Because honestly, I believe, you know, people have been talking about where would Coastal be ranked in the college football playoffs if it weren't for that loss and maybe that close game against Gardner-Webb. Instead, they're behind two two two-loss American teams. 
Uh, I don't want to get too far off track on this, but App State versus Old Dominion. Here's a stat to know in this one. Old Dominion has scored just six points, and I repeat that, six points in their last 10 quarters of football dating back to halftime versus Georgia State. That offense has not been able to score, and they will certainly need to put up points because App State's going to put up enough points in this game. So Old Dominion, definitely something to watch out for. Troy ULM, Caden, this one is an interesting game in my opinion. Uh, Troy, 10-8-1 all-time versus ULM. Uh, ULM actually defeated Troy last year. Hard to believe how much the tables have turned. Troy, twenty or they beat him 29-16 last year. Okay, and this is a series that dates all the way back to 1970. Um, meanwhile, I think the big storyline in this one, Troy is chasing a title. Troy and South Alabama tied at 5-1 and one in the Sunbelt West. Troy kind of holds that de facto half-game lead after defeating South Alabama earlier this year. If the two teams went out, Troy's going to play at Coastal in the Sunbelt Championship game on December 3rd. The Trojans still have a lot to play for. They're one of the hottest teams in college football. No, the Trojans are playing for everything right now. I mean, when they talk about, and I've talked about on this podcast, they remember November. This is what they remember it for. Can Troy hold on to it? Can they still play their best football down the stretch and heading into the conference championship game and use that momentum? We've talked about it before on this podcast. The way they've been winning is simply remarkable. Their Troy has been carried by their defense all the way. They've been winning games off of field position and their offense quite literally doing just enough to win them ball games. And they've done it on an amazing seven-week stre- seven stretch. And I think that style of play is just unheard of in modern football. So you have to give your kudos to him. But you talked about it before. Can they keep doing it? Can they keep winning this way? Because it seems so unsustainable. But, but when you've done it so consistently week after week, it's hard to bet against. We're going to get into our picks later, and I'm sure Troy's week in and week out now proven to be one of the harder teams to bet against. But when you look at it, you're just waiting for them to slip up because there's going to be maybe one day the defense doesn't show up quite like we're used to seeing. Maybe the offense finally has a day where they don't do enough to win. So I'm excited about this matchup because on the other side, Louisiana, man, Monroe, they've been just winning the same way. They've not won the box score at all lately, but they've been making just enough plays to pull off two straight wins. You mentioned Troy and their ability to win tight. Troy, they've won four straight games by fewer than six points. Their largest win in that stretch, Caden, uh, just a six-point win over Louisiana. Troy enters on a seven-game winning streak dating back to week three. Caden, here's what I'm most excited about. Can ULM shock us all? Can ULM win this game after winning one on the road last week, their first since 2019? Can they do it again? And here's why that, I think, could be fun. That would set up an opportunity for ULM to actually become bowl eligible when they take on Southern Miss next week. Uh, ULM, again, like I said, winning their first bowl game or uh, first road game since 2019 last week. If ULM is bowl eligible at the end of the year, I'm quitting this podcast because no one saw that happening all season long. But suddenly they've done just enough to be at least in that conversation. No, I think we would all love to see it. I mean, I feel like ULM is a team that's been so historically bad in the conference that you can't help but root for them when you see them do well. I mean, this two-win stretch for them has been amazing to watch, and I've definitely enjoyed it. But I talked about it before. In both of these games, I'm pretty sure they got outgained. The offenses didn't play as good as the offense across from them. They didn't necessarily make all of the, the, the box score things. They didn't win the turnover battle. They didn't win the time of possession. But they're just a team lately who's been making the plays to win. They're making enough big plays. They're getting the pick six that matters. They're getting the touchdown that matters. They're getting the field goal that matters. And if anyone could do it right now with the last two games they've played as far as a resume goes, 
they seem like in the last two weeks the best team of just winning straight up football games. And they're playing a Troy team who's been doing it all year. So I think it's going to be exciting to watch it. We know the quarterback play's been better with Rodgers. He's going up against a crazy good defense, one that's like none he's ever seen since he's played Alabama in the beginning of the year. But I think this team kind of has a recipe and they kind of have to be feeling themselves a little bit now that they've put some wins together. So I'm definitely excited to watch them get after it. You have to imagine health's an issue at the end of the year for both teams as well. Uh, Troy won a football game for just the second time uh, this year last week uh, with rushing for under 100 yards. They're 6-0 and when rushing for north of 100. Look for them to get back over that margin in this game. Second to last game, Texas State versus Arkansas State, 5 p.m. on ESPN3. Texas State going to try to snap a four-game losing streak. That was something Arkansas State was able to do last week when they beat the worst team in college football, UMass, 35-33. Uh, three of Texas State's last four losses have come by six points. They're very similar to Troy. They just can't win the tight games. Arkansas State comes in six and three all time. Caden, in this game, we need to see the second half Texas State from their game last week where they allowed 371 yards of offense in the last four games. They had just 154 yards allowed in the second half last week. Um, we really need to see Texas State start strong offensively in this game. We definitely do. And I think it's on the other side of it. You look at how Arkansas State finished their last game so bad, let UMass crawl back into it. So I think if the teams from the second halves of this game show up in the beginning, Texas State's going to have an early upper hand. They're just a team, despite these teams having the same record, the same amount of conference wins this year. You watch the games and look past the stats. Texas State has been a scrappy bunch all year. They fought, they're fought for every game they're in. They're never laid down against anybody, and you just have to respect them. And I think that goes more to their culture right now. And if we're talking about dueling cultures, we've talked on this podcast about how Arkansas State has some things they have to handle this offseason for sure. So if they're looking ahead to that, that's going to be an issue for them. But it seems like Texas State, week in and week out, is locked into the moment, and they've lost some close ones, and this is an opportunity for them, probably their best opportunity they've had in quite a while to get a win. I think James Blackman could have a difficult day here. This is a Texas State team, 40th or top 40 in the country with two and a half sacks per game. They forced 24, which is just five shy of their program record. James Blackman might be a little bit under pressure in the backfield in this game. He is, but I think all year one of the best traits he's had is not turning the ball over only two interceptions all year. He's taking care of the ball. He even under duress, which is a tough thing to do as a quarterback if you're getting pressure on you constantly to still take care of the ball, especially when you play down as much as Arkansas State does. But I would like to see him in this one, hopefully not be under as much pressure, get moving, like I said, like a Trace Bryce in the App State game, maybe take him out of the pocket and just need more explosive plays for him. I think he hasn't thrown for more than two touchdown passes this year. It's either two, one, or zero for every single game of his. If he could have just one of those games that we've seen in, him in the past, have one of those shootouts. Arkansas State used to be good for at least one, two, or three shootouts a year where they're putting up a lot of points and doing those kind of things. If he can just have one of those games, this would be a great time to have it and steal a win. Hey, if you're Arkansas State and you just talked about them a little bit, I think the big thing for them, Caden, is can they pick up some positive momentum? They won last week. They had lost four straight. Now you have a chance to pick up a second win here. Uh, they're going to end the regular season with Troy, so you have a sense of how that might go. But I think it would go a long way for Arkansas State uh, to pick up a victory here especially after they finished last week. I think if they would have especially beat UMass and handled business from like a large, large margin like they were supposed to, probably like the spread was supposed to say, I think that would have helped them a lot too. But I think, yeah, this is their last conference game where I think the people in that building are looking at it and saying, okay, this was one where 
we can win this conference game. Next week is going to be what it is. That's going to be a team vying for a championship, and we're very far from that. But right now, let's see how we stack up against a team that has the same record than us. Let's see if we can put some points up, stop them, and get a win and use this momentum. And then maybe next week, just play some good ball against a team that's likely going to be in the conference championship. I think that would be huge momentum for them in the offseason. Okay, in any game that's going to be close, you always look at the special teams players, and I think Arkansas State has a pretty good kicker. Dominic Zavada, 13 for 13 on field goal attempts this year. That could play a factor in this game. We'll see if it does, but I like A-State in a close game with Zavada kicking the football. Uh, let's move on to the only game that a Sunbelt school is playing against a non-Sunbelt school, and that's when Louisiana travels to number 19, Florida State. The game's going to be at 12 p.m. on ESPN3. Uh, this will be the first meeting ever between the two programs. The Raging Cajuns have won three out of their last five games. FSU comes in. They've won three in a row. They're second in the ACC Atlantic Division. Caden, I don't think this is going to be a very fun day for Ben Wooldridge. He's facing an FSU defense that's second best in passing defense in the NCAA this year. They're giving up 155 yards per game through the air. Uh, what can he do to find any little bit of success against this talented Seminoles defense? Yeah, he is going to have to use his legs. He played a great game last week and did what he had to do to get that win over Georgia Southern. And thankfully, that was during the week. So they get some more rest and preparation in this one. But you're right. They're going up against what's quietly been the best defense in the ACC. I mean, they're holding teams to 18 points per game, which is unheard of in that conference. You obviously hear about the Clemsons, the UNCs of that conference and the bigger names that are more ranked. But this Seminoles team that's now ranked number 19 is not a group to play with. So I think physically, Louisiana has some of the weapons outside that can match up with these guys. And if they can win one-on-one matchups for Ben Wooldridge, that would be great. But he's going to need everyone around him to play their best football for him too. And then he's just going to have to step up to the occasion and play his best football as well. I think Louisiana is going to need to try to contain big plays in this game. And that's easier said than done. FSU comes in. They lead the nation, Caden. This was really interesting. They lead the nation with seven touchdown drives of over 80 yards. They're also third behind only Georgia and Ohio State in explosive plays this season. They average nearly seven yards per play on offense. This FSU team has been dynamic. They create big plays and they constantly have defenses on their heels. Yeah, and it's all led by Jordan Travis. He's been one of the most explosive dual threat guys in the entire country this year, quietly having a great season. And you talk about it, along with those explosive plays, though, the best thing I think for an offense that can complement some big explosive plays is just simply being able to run the ball. And this team runs the ball as well, the best in the ACC conference. They're getting 213 yards a game. They have like five or six guys who are getting 100 yards this season. I think it's going to be a challenge for Louisiana for sure, and it's going to be tough for them to both defend that box and that explosive run game and that explosive pass game over the top. Well, I think if we had looked at this game early on in the season before we see, we saw who Louisiana was, we might have thought that this would have been a close game. I'm not sure this is going to be overly close in this one, but keep an eye on that game taking place down in Tallahassee. Caden, I did want to say a quick note here before we move on to our picks. Obviously, there was one other game on the schedule that we were really excited to talk about. It was recently canceled, and part of the reason why we were planning to record on Tuesday this week, instead we have to record on Wednesday, but... That was the tragedy that happened at the University of Virginia. And we'd like to say just a quick word from our pod uh, to the University of Virginia, um, which led to this game being canceled. Caden uh, and I are both in agreement that what happened was tragic. And ultimately, there are some things that just transcend football. Our thoughts and prayers are certainly with the entire Virginia community as they look to cover uh, or recover rather from what was just a senseless act of violence. So definitely wish them well uh, the rest of the year and hope that uh, they're able to you know, recover from uh, the tragedy that happened earlier on this week. 
Uh, but Caden, we'll move on to our picks uh, for this weekend, and we'll start with James Madison versus Georgia State. The first game we talked about, JMU comes in a nine-point favorite. Over/under sits at fifty-two and a half. I'm curious what your pick is here. I want to pick the Panthers so bad. I want to keep their bull hopes alive, but I, I just can't do it. This team, led by a fully healthy Todd, is only lost one time, and I expect to see a version closer to that than we've seen in the past when he's unhealthy and when he's not on this team. I think them at home. With that stout defense as well, I just think JMU is going to have this one in the back. So give me JMU to win and to cover. But I do think Georgia State also runs the ball well enough to get themselves in field position, get some points on the board as well. So I'm going to take the over on the points. Okay, now I'm going to have to agree with you there. And I agree that this one smells like Georgia State could at least play a good football game. But their identity has been rushing the football all year long. We've bet against James Madison's rushing defense at times this season. But every year they seem to, or every game they seem to respond. So I'm going with you on this one, JMU to win and cover the over-under at 52.5. I think that's easily in play because Georgia State, even in losses, has shown their ability. Last week we saw them put up 28. I think both teams are going to score some points. So I'm also taking the over. Southern Miss versus South Alabama. Caden, I said it early on. I feel like South Alabama is on upset watch here. South comes in a seven and a half point favorite over under sits at 45 and a half. Caden, I'm going to go first here. You know, again, my heart says Southern Miss has a good chance at winning this one. But at the end of the day, there's too many question marks on quarterback at quarterback for Southern Miss, even if Trey Lowe has a very big game. I've at times this year bet against South Alabama. I'm done doing that. They have consistently shown the ability to put up over 30 points a game this year. So give me South Alabama to win and cover. Um, I do think the over-under might be a little bit more of a conversation here, but if South Alabama is able to do what they've been doing and Southern Miss puts up some points, I do think that it's easy to see them go over that point total. So I am going to take the over. You took the words out of my mouth. No, I think the scheme ultimately is what beat this Southern Miss team last week when you look at their defense and the nasty bunch. But I think this week it's going to be a combination of that scheme and the talent that South Alabama has. It looks like they're clicking on all cylinders. We've talked about the play of Carter Bradley recently, those weapons out wide. And I think this will be a great opportunity for LaDamian Webb to also get involved and see that fully rounded offensive attack that we're used to seeing. I think Southern Miss usually struggles to get to 20 points. And this is a team that holds teams regularly under 20 points. It's going to be one of the tougher defenses they've seen. And I think South Alabama wins it pretty effortlessly too. I think they're going to win cover and I'm going to take the points on this one. I think they're going to hold up their end on the bargain and that Trelo will get the ball in the end zone a little bit though in this one as well. Okay, and I'm almost willing to guarantee that one of these three games, James Madison, Georgia State, Southern Miss, South Alabama, or Georgia Southern versus Marshall is going to see the underdog win. And so in order for that to happen, I'm going to go ahead and pick here first because the herd come in a four and a half point favorite. This game's in Statesboro over under sits at 54. Caden, I'm taking Georgia Southern at home here. I'm not really sure that's much of an upset, um, but you know, in terms of the Vegas lines, it is. I think Georgia Southern has the ability to put up a lot more points on a scoreboard than Marshall. I think their ceiling is higher. I think Georgia Southern gets a good performance from Kyle Vantrese. I think uh, Georgia Southern's going to struggle to run the football, so they'll probably turn to Vantrese, and he's shown the ability to do uh, great things this year. I think Marshall's going to put up enough points, so I do see us potentially hitting the over here. I'll go ahead and take the over, but I'm I'm a little hesitant. But give me Georgia Southern to win. I am going to take the over. I agree with you. These three matchups, they have an upset written all over them. And I just, I couldn't pick one personally. I think I like what you said about Georgia Southern. And I think if they didn't leave such a bad taste in my mouth from last week, I would have been more intrigued. But seeing them finally slip up a little bit and not have that explosive offensive day 
does scare me, especially the way this Marshall defense is playing, which is now at the top of the conference. I think they have some extra time to fix some of those issues on Georgia Southern side. So I do think they will be able to get the ball in the end zone a lot more than they did last week. So I'm going to take the over on the points as well. But I, I have to take Marshall in this one in November, running the ball well, got a nice impressive win last week against App State at home. And I think that Cam Fancher is finally starting to come into his own as well. I think their defense just worries me too much about Georgia Southern. I think that matchup is going to be such a key with Kalen Laywood and that rushing attack going up against such a bad, such a bad, bad Georgia Southern defense. I'm going to take Marshall on this one. I think they're going to cover. I'm also going to take the over on the points. Well, one of those two teams, Georgia Southern or Marshall, will be bowl eligible at the end of the week. I think that's fantastic for both programs. Caden, four games left to give our picks. We'll just breeze through these. App State versus Old Dominion. App a 16-point favorite over under at 50 and a half. Where are you headed on this one? I'm going to go with App State on this one. I think App State has had their struggles, but just simply not as much as Old Dominion has. It's their senior night. They're fighting for bowl eligibility, and they're playing an Old Dominion offense that's quite undermanned and has reverted very much back to the worrisome group we had in the beginning of the year. I think they can't buy a win right now, and they can't buy points right now either. I mean, the last two weeks, they've had three points. So give me App State to win and cover, but I'm going to take the under on the points. I think that maybe it's managed a little bit better in this game. I think that they might be able to dictate the pace a little bit in this one in kind of a bad way. So give me app to win, app to cover, take the under on the points. And if there was a Jason Henderson tackle line at 17, I would definitely take the over on that too, because that's one of the few things that Old Dominion can bank on week in and week out is that guy being all over the place. I think I would take the over under on the Jason Henderson tackling line at 17 as well. Uh, Caden, I'm sticking with you on this one. App State to win and cover. I am also taking the under as well. I think App State could put up mid 30 points, but I just have no confidence in Old Dominion scoring points right now. Again, just three points or six points rather in their last 10 quarters of football. Uh, Troy versus ULM. Troy comes in a 15 point favorite over under sits at 48. Caden, I'm going to go a little off the rails here. I don't think it's too far off the rails. I'm not going to take ULM to win this game, although I think that that could get really interesting for what's going on out in the West. I think South Alabama would love to see that happen. Troy's still going to win this game, but Caden, 15 points. I don't know who in Vegas is looking at this because this is a Troy team. Every game is close, so I think this game is going to be close as well. Uh, Give me ULM to actually cover in this game. And over under at 48, again, if ULM covers, that means that Troy hasn't scored a lot of points and neither has ULM. So I'm also going to take the under on this matchup. Now, you said you said it best. No, I think if anyone is listening to this and wants to bet actual money, Caden Smith might actually put the same exact bet that Noah just said out there. Troy is going to win this game. I think they've proven week in and week out. They find a way to win somehow, some way, but they have not proven they could beat somebody in a dominant fashion. 15 points, I think, is ridiculous. I don't know if they've beat anyone by 15 points in quite a while right now, but I'd like to see Troy's offense get going in this one. They're playing the worst defense in the conference as far as points they are giving up 35 a game. And this is the second worst offense in the conference. And it's kind of crazy. That they're still just as successful, but I definitely challenge Troy to hopefully get some points on the board in this one and do some things they haven't been able to do, but I'm not betting on that. That's for sure. So give me Troy to win. They're not going to cover and I'm going to take the under on the points for sure. Next up, Texas state versus Arkansas state. Caden, the best game of the weekend, Texas state, a five and a half point favorite over under at 51. I'm breezing through this one. I'm actually taking Texas State to win in cover. I am taking the under because neither team's offenses have shown the ability to put up a lot of points. The only reason I'm taking Texas State to win in cover is because somehow, unlike on the road, they've figured out how to win at home. They're 3-1 and one at home, 0-6 oh on the road. But uh, I like Texas State at home here against Arkansas State. Yeah, these guys definitely play better in San Marcos. You saw in that App State game, and hopefully they can use some of that energy in the stadium and feed off of that. I'm taking Texas State in this one as well. I think if you look at just both programs, week in and week out, and what they do, 
They might have the same record, but I think this Texas State team just wants it more. They play more inspired football. Might be picking with my heart a little bit in that, but they just passed the eye test for me. I think Arkansas State just has a lot to figure out right now, but Texas State has more figured out. It's just about the execution for them. So give me Texas State to win and cover. I'm actually going to take the over on the points. I think they ride some of that momentum you were talking about in the last game in the second half. Maybe they come out in this one swinging, make it, maybe Arkansas State feels the need to catch up, get James Blackman going. So I'm going to take the over on the points, though. Last one to pick, Louisiana at number 19, Florida State, FSU, a 24-point favorite, over-under sits at 52. Kane, do you see any way that Louisiana covers or maybe wins this game? I do not. This team is a top 25 team for a reason. So I'm taking FSU as well to win and cover. I'm also going to go ahead and uh, take the over in this one. Well, it was another loaded episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. We're both looking forward to some exciting football this weekend. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Monday where we'll recap all the action from week 12 around the Sun Belt. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, rate the show or leave us a quick review. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, follow the show on our Twitter page at at Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>